let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions and we're back in your ears once again. The beer is in the glass and we're not alone this week, are we, Martin? No, we're not. Uh, returning guest, Jacob Wise, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Hi, it's great to have you on again. Thank you for having me. Uh, we, we were just saying it's been oh, almost two and a half years since you last joined us on the show, back in October 2019. I know, the world has changed. <laughs> a lot has changed <laughs> since, since then, uh, which I'm sure we'll come on to as, as we go through this week's podcast. We are drinking one of your beers. You've kindly sent us some beers to enjoy on this week's show. Do you want to tell us what we're drinking, first of all, and, and, and how it came about? So the first beer we're going to be drinking is one called Deep Roots. It's with a brewery in Liverpool called Neptune Brewery. And I made this in advance of International Women's Day with, in my opinion, some of the best brewers in the UK, and they all happen to be women. So this beer is the Pale Ale in the series. It's very, very um, uh, uh, New Zealand-y and New Zealand hops essentially went into it. So it's a little bit bit of an unusual one, but... um, it's 4.1%, made with pale malt, um, lots of oats in there as well. It's a, it's uh, quite on the hazy side, but it's quite refreshing. Quite um, quite interesting flavours when you're really used to drinking the kind of Citro, Simcoe, Mosaic kind of flavours. This one's kind of like, it's very New Zealand. It's, it's a little bit coconutty, quite earthy, a little bit spicy but also some interesting like fruitiness to it too. It's got some real, real personality. So really, really loving this parallel at the minute. What do you think guys? It's, it, there's a lot going on in that for mm. a, a fairly small beer that you do get, like you say, you get a, a, a lot of your citrus notes up front and then that mm. gives way to some really crisp, clean flavors coming towards the end. And it's, it's got, I'm just, I'm just reading the, the information on it here. I, th- I think it's got my new favorite hop name in it as well. Betty. <laughs> what, a, what a great name for a hop. Yeah. Well, Betty is actually a, it's a New Zealand hop blend. Betty. So I've used it a few times. Um, I used it on my collab with Cloudwater. We literally made the beer and we love, and it, we, it was just called Betty. And then we loved it so much. We made a part two, which we called Big Betty because it was higher ABV Betty. Um, so I've used it a few times. Um, this is the first combo with, uh, with Waimea in there as well. So it's, it, it's just a really, it's a really lovely, quite refreshing beer, but also uh quite different you if if you get my meaning on the flavor it's it's definitely that i mean it, the first word dis- description says juicy and it mm-hmm. really is i mean it is a juicy pale ale without being like a full-on juice bomb so it is yeah. still you know a, a pale ale yeah. but it, i think steve said it, it it's, it's a very complex pale ale but I'm, I'm sort of i can picture myself having a pint of this in a slightly warmer climate as well. I yeah, exactly. it would work really well. Yeah, and Neptune Brewery are just such a lovely, fantastic brewery. Um, it was an absolute pleasure to work with them. We had a collab tied up since before lockdown. <laughs> and then the world fell apart. <laughs> so it was really, really great working with them. Um, yeah, 
And did they did they come down to you to brew it, or was it one of these kind of collabs by email? You agreed the recipe, and and then you brewed it, or, or did Julian Les come down and 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 have some fun at your brewery? Well, the theory was that <laughs> um, Julie was meant to come down because everybody else in the collab series came down. I did it over like a week, and then it was that week where there was massive storms. And they said, um, you're not allowed to travel unless it's urgent. And then I got COVID. Oh, <laughs> so no. It was, it, was all, it was all for the better that they didn't come down. So we ended up doing it virtually. But the intention until that very morning was for Julie to come down. But, um, yeah, we ended up um, doing it virtually in the end. Because this is this is one of a series of four collabs that you did for International Women's Day, is, yeah. isn't it? And I know we're going to do we're going to do some of the others tonight, so we won't steal their thunder, so so to speak. Um, but yeah, we'll, oh, actually, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later as as, as yeah. well. well. We'll come on to that rather than giving away our own content at, at the beginning <laughs> of the of, of the show. While we are enjoying this, let's just take uh, some feedback from from listeners. See what our listeners have been saying about the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. So first up from Sophie at Sobeer Blogger. Cheers for another great and fascinating show. Admittedly. I didn't have the best early cider experience, even though I'm close to cider country. More recently, I've had my preconceptions swayed by Oliver's cider, and it's interesting to hear cider being compared to sour beers. I think I could listen to Gabe all day and feel quite inspired to explore ciders a little bit more in the future. And then the the the, the, the feedback for that cider show just keeps on pouring in, mate. We've, we've, we've still got loads of this coming through. So Caledonian Cider, who were one of the ciders that we featured on that show, got in touch this was via instagram and said it was quite surreal seeing my cider on your timeline i live in the highlands and craft beer took a wee bit longer to arrive here than some other parts of the country in fact it was 2017 when i first picked up a bottle of jaipur until that point i only really drank cider or real ales so i opened it when i got home and was blown away by the flavors i had no idea beer could taste like that and i was intrigued so i googled to see what was going on and from that search i learned there was such a thing as a craft beer scene and that there was a podcast Owls dedicated to it. I listened every week on the computer at work. I work in a distillery. And as I learned more, I wanted to try more of the beers that you were talking about. These days, of course, I can buy Omnipolo in Tesco. But back then, I lived in what you referred to as a beer dessert. Dessert. Desert. Oh, I say dessert there. It's, it's, somebody should make a beer dessert in, in a beer desert. And your podcast made me feel part of an exciting beer community that was hundreds of miles away. I know this has turned into a rather rambling, long-winded message, but I just wanted to say thanks for doing the show. I was blown away by that comment. So, so was I. It's, it's, it's always nice when we randomly get a, a, a brewer. Or, or in this case, a, a cider maker, get in touch and say, oh, I've been a listener for years. It's like, oh, OK, didn't realise that happened. Also, the bit which said quite surreal seeing cider on the timeline. Yes, it was surreal seeing cider on our timeline, to be honest. It was, it was surreal having it in our glass, mate. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Caledonian Cider. Um, continuing, Mark Johnson. Didn't rush to listen to this one because of the content. Big mistake. What a joy. What a conversationist Gabe is. Loved the reactions too. Absolutely brilliant stuff. From Simon Clark, everything Mark said above is what I've been meaning to say about this episode and haven't got round to it yet. Loved it. Maybe a yearly thing, question mark. 
I'd, I wouldn't be adverse to to revisit Insider once a year, actually. But never thought that would happen. Never thought that would happen. <laughs> I, th- I think I think Gabe did a very good job of presenting us with some ciders that ticked a lot of very different boxes. But he's fantastic, though. He really is like such an amazing like speaker and such an amazing advocate for cider. And from Johnny Beer Boy, talking about the most recent episode, absolutely loved the show. Great S&M action. And can't stress how much I love these fantasy episodes. How weird to feel jealous of never visiting a beer cathedral that no longer exists in Stone Berlin. As for the rest of the call, perfect. From Austin at Beer Tweeting, drinking along for the first time ever and really enjoying it. Love the thought of a beer with Adnams and Sierra Nevada house yeasts, as we just spoke of having both of, of both having a distinct brewery taste. Curious if the end product will hint at either or maybe both. And then finally from Craig Henderson at the MCR Smoggy. Great show, guys. I love the worldwide beer crawl, especially when you were talking about Bruges and the birds in the background of the recording seemed to get a little bit louder. It made me feel like I've been transported to Belgium and I could almost taste the beers. Excellent feedback. I have to admit, though, I mean, the fantasy shows when we do like we did a big you know, worldwide pub crawl, five cities, five different places, five different beers. Um, we just had fun with it, Steve. Yeah, and and I think that's what I like about them because it does it does let our imagination run wild a, a, a little bit with what we could do with, with beer if if we had sort of unlimited resources, so to speak, and time and space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. But yeah, great great feedback again. I'm really intrigued to see that there's still feedback coming in on the side of the show. Keep it coming, folks. Use the hashtag opinions, and we'll find you and feature you on a future show. Back to this beer, which I'm really enjoying, actually. It is really, really easy drinking, and it's certainly the perfect starter beer for for this evening. Jager, so we said it's been almost two and a half years since since you've been on. Um, Other than living through a pandemic, what what have you been up to since we last had you on? Oh, I've been up to (laughs) Um, quite a lot, actually. So... um... I shot a TV show in the pandemic um, called uh, Beer Masters, uh, which was on Amazon Prime. So that was fun. I don't know whether either of you have seen it. Yep. Oh, oh, don't worry. We're coming on no. to that. Oh, we're coming on to it. Good. Okay, good. Okay, good, good, good. Otherwise, it'd be very, very weird to explain. Um, uh, what else have I been doing? Been making lots and lots of beer. In the pandemic, we just kind of head down, made beer, set up an online shop like everybody else did, and just uh just juggled uh, let me say that again juggled balls and kept going and um yeah it was a really really tough time for everybody I think it was a really tough time for the whole industry but on the positives everyone is still here and the birds tasted better than ever so um it, it, for us it's all onwards and upwards so like like most breweries you, you carried on brewing during the, the, the pandemic, you didn't have to scale down so much because your what was what percentage was your draft output as opposed to your small pack, and how quickly did you pivot Ooh. to becoming a hundred percent small pack? So I feel like I've pivoted so many times in the last two years. <laughs> I've just been going in a circle. That's what I feel like. So uh, every time Boris did another bloody announcement doing some more pivoting in another direction. So I think that the major thing was the routes to market that we used to have 
just changed and it was changing it felt like it was changing every like three to six months so it was always just okay well we can't sell there anymore let's try and sell here etc etc so stuff like our tap rooms for example where in the summertime and I remember that first summer was so hot it was so hot and I was like oh my god the bars would be open the bars would be doing so amazing right now but we couldn't sell our kegs to the bars but obviously I had keg beer in stock. So just doing loads of stuff, like I'm sure everybody else did, like filling bottles and sending bottles of keg beer in the post to the public and just all sorts of stuff. Um, but, but yeah, but uh, we were very lucky that we had a canning line um, and we were just able to just uh, churn out lots of cans and we we're very lucky and very grateful that lots of people bought them. So um yeah, if anybody bought any of our cans in lockdown or now, just a, bit, a big, big thank you. But um, but yeah, it made a really big difference, all the support from from everybody out there, really. And, you know, obviously, like you said, you've pivoted many times. But now, you know, apparently we're all open for business, etc. Yeah. And, you know, there was probably a bit of worry at the end of last year for hospitality about whether we may have another lockdown over Christmas. Didn't come to pass. How are you? How are you finding things now? Like, obviously, Wildcard does have a tap room mm. up at, um, over near towards where Hackney have their brewery tap room now as well. How are you finding the the business there? Is it has it picked up? Is it picking up? Um. So, what's really interesting was Boris's announcement just before Christmas was so damaging to the hospitality sector. So, like Christmas Eve should be one of the pub's busiest days of the whole year and I, I understand the situation everything that was happening but that 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 was a bit of a, a knife if that makes sense but I understand the pandemic everybody has to keep safe but that again was quite it was quite tricky to get through but um so we We've got two tap rooms. Oh, yeah, there's one more thing I did, I did in lockdown. I opened a pub. <laughs> I should probably mention that. So that opened on April the 12th, so in 2021. So that was outside only drinking, which, as you can imagine, was an interesting experience. We're very lucky in the fact that there is a very big outside um, space. But I, I think it's been really tough. I mean, I just don't think... I think pubs did their best, and we certainly did our very best. But pubs are not built for table service. Like, like the environment is not built for table service. So it, it, it was very difficult just trying to pivot in in that direction when we're so used to kind of serving behind the bar. Um, but we did it. We got through it. And um, and the bars are doing well at the moment. Um, obviously, we're coming up to summer again. So um, we're expecting good things this year. But, yeah, hospitality has been incredibly tough in the last couple of years. And sorry, so you've got the original tap room open. Yeah, the barrel store. Yeah. Yep. Uh, We're you... going to be doing a relaunch in the next few weeks for it. Okay, cool. Very That'd fun. Be... Keep an eye out for that. Yep. And you've got you've got the new one up in um Black Horse off Black Horse Lane, isn't it? So the actual brewery is based off Black Horse um Lane. And uh, there's a bar in there as well. And where's the pub then? The pub is five minutes walk from the brewery. So it's it, it's really close. It's a pub we started in originally. It's called the Tavern on the Hill. Um, oh, I yeah. wonder if it was that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Tavern on the Hill. 
I've been making Casper again for it. So it's uh, it's 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 really fun, and um, it's a really really nice pub to be in. But it it was a lot of work getting that pub up and running in the middle of lockdown. But it was good. It's good now. Yeah, just fancy the challenge then. Obviously, Jager. There wasn't enough challenges already. Just thought I'll open a pub as well. Oh, yeah, you know what it is? I think it's that pub as well. It's the pub we started in, and it, there's a lot of history there. Like we know all the regulars. When when we started ten years ago, it was in that pub. It was in that very basement. So when the opportunity came up to take on that pub, it, uh, I think we'd have been kind of silly not to. Uh, so that's a nice little connection there, isn't it? Back, back, yeah. back to the roots of it all, back to where it all began, back to yeah. where it started. Um, no, no, I mean, I could say it's quite nice because obviously that is becoming a bit of a destination with five or six tap rooms on or just off the Black Horse Lane area. Yeah. The option of having a pub to break it up is quite a nice idea, actually. Yeah, yeah. So we're at the end of the line. And you know what it is? It's a very different crowd that tend to... There are some people that don't really want to go into tap rooms, um in terms of you know what it's like like it's uncomfortable seating it tends to be toilets tend to be a bit crappy although we've just had our to- toilets done at Lockwood and they look bloody amazing <laughs> <laughs> hint there but um but yeah there is kind of a different clientele and yes there is crossover but pubs tend to be a lot more comfortable a lot more winter friendly um so it, it's it's a really interesting dynamic between kind of taproom clientele and pub clientele and yes there is some crossover but there also is a lot of not crossover as well um some people wouldn't dream of going to sit in a tap room but they're more than happy to be in the pub every day at 11 o'clock if that makes sense so yeah. it's, it, it's it's really interesting especially because they're five minutes away from each other um the customers that will go there and and won't go to the tap room and vice versa it's really interesting and i think also the power of the sunday roast I just don't think can be underestimated, like the power of what a Sunday roast does. <laughs> the amount of people that come and want to eat a pub Sunday roast is just something you just don't have in, in a pub environment. So in a, in a taproom environment. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's been quite interesting. So so like Sundays have gone from in a taproom, Sundays are they're kind of all right. It's gone to uh, from that in the tap rooms to the pub it being like oh my god this is the best day of the week why can't we have Sundays every day <laughs> kind of type situation so yeah interesting so while all of this was um going on you know mm. pivoting on various occasions deciding to add a pub to your your portfolio um you thought you'd get involved in a tv program that we've already mentioned yes <laughs> as well as doing already your stuff for uh bbc food program isn't it as well yes yes um, yes so how did beer masters come about so beer masters came about as all these things do with a phone call <laughs> no i think it was a tweet it was it it, it was um it was it could have been it's probably social media to be honest um yeah and then i um the producer uh, he came to see me and he, he kind of told me about it and then as these things do you hear lots of ideas like this like, yeah, 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 it's happening. Yeah, 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 it's happening. Yeah, yeah, it's happening. And then it was happening. And it happened to be the height of lockdown. And the whole show was meant to be traveling around the whole of, whole of Europe. And then we couldn't travel around pretty much any of Europe. Um, so we kind of made it work when things opened up a little bit and we got to travel around. 
Um, the stuff in the studio was really fun, but it was it's, it was a massive show. And I, I don't think I was I quite knew just how much how big the show was in terms of until kind of day one, really. Um, it, it was like 80 crew kind of filming you um, all at the height of lockdown. So everyone's masked up. Um, yeah, it, it, it was a really intense experience, really positive experience. I had the best, I just kind of had the best time of my life, but also, um, yeah, it, like, like doing an Amazon show, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. The, the, the bits that you, you filmed where you got to visit the breweries all mm. around Jura, was, was that done after the studio stuff? like well after the studio stuff when you was allowed to travel again yeah it was afterwards but like I'm talking like a week or two afterwards so it, it and we kind of did it in a few stints so we just went out to Europe I was tested so frequently like there was someone on site who was to test you someone came to my house to test me um just always get bloody tested but it's fine it's fine obviously we all have to keep safe um and we traveled to, we went to, oh, I'm, I'm trying to remember now, we went to. <laughs> you, went, you, went to you went to Leuven, oh, didn't you? Oh, yeah, we went to Leuven. We went to, uh, spent lots of time in um, in Brussels, spent lots of time in the Netherlands. So it was, it was amazing fun. Um, yeah, it was amazing, amazing fun. It, it, it was me, the director, um, and... And yeah, and the, and some of the production t- uh, team, and yeah, it was just a great time, especially in the height of lockdown when you couldn't do much. But obviously, we had to kind of go out and eat and stuff. So it was quite nice because it was my first time like going out, <laughs> which was quite nice. <laughs> yeah, probably felt probably felt quite uh, quite a privilege at the time, I imagine. Yeah, 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 it was. But it was it it was um, it was a huge amount amount of fun to film. And just meeting all the home brewers, they were just so fantastic. So, so fantastic, so enthusiastic. And just trying the beers that they made. Um, yeah, just it's, I, I love, love, love doing that sort of thing. And it was just amazing to kind of, to try it, give them feedback and kind of work with them to kind of make better beer. So, yeah, I mean, it was great. Uh, assuming then, that again, all of the, all of the studio stuff was that all filmed at, at once you, you wasn't i mean you wasn't getting them in the studio and then sending them home to brew the beer and then oh. bringing them all the way back and then sending them <laughs> back again did, did they get kind of in advance uh, this is what you're going to have to brew and this is when it's going to need to be ready for I'm or am sure i how... spoiling the magic of I'm television sure, yeah <laughs> i'm not sure how many trade secrets i should really give away here <laughs> seen the show but I will say I will say all the studio stuff we filmed that as a as a block so we filmed that all at once so it was the most intense eight, like when was it I think it was eight days because we filmed the Saturday through to the Friday yeah from Saturday to Friday that was it was some of the most intense days like like there was a cab at my house at, at, at 7am to pick me up and then you went but but they do everything for you. So this is this is what was kind of intense. My only job, my only job at the beginning of the day was to like shower, honestly. So I've never experienced anything like it. We get up, you shower. Someone calls you and like they're in a cab outside, and you kind of go into the cab, 
and there's someone there waiting at the other end. They dress you, they put your makeup on, they do your hair. Like it's a whole experience. I've never experienced anything like it. But um, yeah, insanity. <laughs> insanity. <laughs> I have, to, I have to say, it, it, it came across as everybody was having a really good time. And, that, and, and there seemed to be some, some really good camaraderie between all, all of the, the, the groups of the homebrewers. And I think the one thing that I, that I really liked about it was that you set it out from the very first episode that there were no eliminations. So it, it wasn't everyone was involved until the very end. And, and, and I really like that because you do see that a lot with kind of the more reality type shows, especially like the cooking ones, that every week somebody's getting sent home. And, and I think certainly from the, the, the point of view of some of the, the, the challenges that the brewers were set, it gave them an opportunity to really demonstrate their skills based on different tasks. And yeah, and it's one of the things that I absolutely loved about the show as well was um, that camaraderie between the contestants. That was 100% real. Um, as in they were going out every night, they were coming in, like hanging out to, uh, um, together. Like we all went for drinks um, uh, in the evening. I think we went on like a Thursday and the Friday uh, we all went out together as well. So, I mean, that camaraderie and everyone having a really, really good time it was 100% real. I think it spe- really speaks to the power of, of beer and what it is that beer does for people. You had you had 10 complete strangers kind of thrown into the situation and, yeah, and they, 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 they made really good friends and they were talking about each other's beers and how they could improve it, how they could change it, the fact that it might have been the best thing that, they, that they'd ever drunk. Um yeah, it, it was it was really incredible to be around the energy. Really, I think that certainly came across. That's certainly what I got from watching it. Was there? It felt very genuine to me. Um, yeah, it was. But yeah. I, I also, yeah, and I also loved um, uh, James, James's role in the whole thing as well. Um, oh, isn't he great? Isn't he great? <laughs> is he like that well, all the time, or is that just for camera? Constantly, con- <laughs> honestly, constantly got a joke. Constantly. But no, he's he's like you crack up in his company, really. Yeah, he definitely he definitely for me was my audience identification figure. He was playing the part of what I would want to do if I was there, which is be on the side of the home brewers and what our judges are being honest about the product. He's standing beside them drinking the beer. So I I just loved the way that he was uh, brought into it. Yeah, and I I thought it was I thought the whole the whole of the whole design of the series was just done really well because I know beer, beer is hard to do. Like beer is not a cake. You can't make it in a couple of hours. Um, and I just thought the whole stru- whole structure of the show from the top to the bottom was just really thought out and re- was really done um, really well in a way that really let the contestants shine. And what what one of the fascinating things was like the beer styles. I mean, the poor Brits in, in that competition who had to be brewing um, lots and lots of like quite traditional um, Belgian styles. I mean, it, it's quite hard. It's quite hard for them to do. Um, if, if there was a bitter on there, for example, um, uh, the the um, the couple from Italy may have struggled. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's like we have regional strengths, um, 
and we have beers that we're more or less familiar with around Europe. So I thought it was um, I thought it was a, a really really interesting um, format, and um, yeah, I I just I loved every minute of it. You you couldn't really ask for more. The chance to travel around, drink beer, taste beer, um, home brewers have made, hang out with James Blunt, like. <laughs> get to wear nice clothes it was just like it was just the best it was the best show ever <laughs> i loved it a couple of things that, that you've said there that I, I just i just want to pick up on um you, you talk about the range of different styles that that they had to to brew and it was it, it was quite a range how did you go about choosing those styles in particular and interestingly second question there was oh, a statement more like there was no IPA week. So was, was that done on purpose? Because you kind of guessed that that's probably what they brew week in, week out at home. Well, the particular styles that they were asked to brew, I think are some of the more challenging styles uh, to brew, especially the final challenge for those of you who've not uh, seen the show, but the final challenge is for them to brew two lagers side by side and for them to try and get them as close to each other as physically possible. That's incredibly hard to do on, on a home brew, uh, a home brewing scale. Um, so I did think that the beers that beer styles that were chosen were, um, were, were put there to challenge them. Um, but also um, it's kind of, as, as the presenter of the show, it's kind of not my job to choose the styles, if that makes sense. Um, so what, when they told me about the styles, I was excited by them, but I also didn't choose the styles myself. So I take no responsibility, positive or negative, for the styles that that were chosen <laughs> on the show. That they had other beer experts, not not just you. <laughs> well, um, of course they consulted with lots and lots of um, uh, uh, beery people before I was on board on the show. So, um, but I absolutely think. But it's just some of them were so challenging, so so um, hard to hard to make, um, and it leaves scope for potentially more as well. I mean, I would love to see um, an an IPA uh, from five different um, uh, representatives of 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 each country. I think that would be super fun. Well, is there a possibility of a series two? I have no idea. I actually don't know yet. So the show itself is not actually yet in Belgium or Italy or the Netherlands. So that's yet to happen. Um, and then when that happens, we shall see. I have no idea. So watch this space. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> was was there anything in terms of the, the beers that they produced that you got to taste that really surprised you in, in like a good way that absolutely blew your mind that you, when, when you drank it, you were like, wow, this is really good. Um, yes, there were a number of beers. I mean, I, I, I homebrew myself. I, I, I'm a homebrewer as well. I've always homebrewed and I work a lot with uh, our local homebrew club. And so I'm no stranger to some of the things that homebrewers can, can do and can produce. So I, I, I really was expecting to be blown away when I went into the series at, at some point. And there were, there were a few beers that come to mind, three in particular. One of them was from episode one, which was the breaded sour that the Belgians made. That beer was absolutely phenomenal. 
The second one was the um, the basil, the basil. Um, I think it was an IPA. It was a basil pale. Um, that beer again was incredible. The way the way they balanced it was really quite something. And the third, of course, and the final was the winning beer, um, which was a. Um, well, let's let's it, not it, name that in case we've got anybody listening from those those countries, because otherwise we've just ruined the whole series. Absolutely, I was blown away, and 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 I'm sure. I mean, for me, it doesn't really make that much of a difference whether it's homebrewed beer or, or professionally brewed beer. You judge you judge it to the same standards. Um, and I've done enough international competitions to know what I'm doing with regards to that. So, yeah, it's it was quite an experience. Well, we we you know spoiler, me and Steve have ordered some of the winning beer, but we won't be mentioning. Have you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> have you really? <laughs> yeah. Well, let well well let me know what you think. I've um I I I haven't actually tried the the commercially brewed batch yet so i i need to get hold, hold of a bottle and try that and see how that um affairs up against the home brewed version but yeah i'm looking forward to it hopefully someone will just send jager one she won't have to buy it as she voted <laughs> as she said it was the winning beer surely as the host you'd get sent some of the winning beer <laughs> yeah surely as the host i'd get some of the winning beer if people yeah. are listening <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not sure many executives from amazon prime <laughs> listen to, to this podcast <laughs> Yeah, we'll find out in the next listener feedback. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I did really enjoy it. And part of that was just literally to see beer on TV in a really positive light. Now, I, I know it ended up on a subscription uh, paying channel here in the UK, but a lot of people, do, I know that a lot of people do have access to Amazon and Amazon Prime, or, you know, for, for the orders and stuff like that. But I did find it, it's a very, it was a very positive light that it shone on beer. And I thought, I personally, I did think the format worked. I think it's some really good elements from the cooking shows, but also acknowledging that we can't do everything quite the same way. And as Steve said, I actually quite like the fact that uh, people weren't eliminated. You get your beers into the final. And I think it was so nice to see beer given the, given the glam treatment. It was so nice to see it with that kind of bake-off sheen and the good camera work and the... And the glitter, like it was really nice to see beer treated to the same standard um, as you see like really fancy food or, or, or wine. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And having these people come in and talk about the provenance of the beer that they've been doing, that's been brewed for 100, 200 years, I think just added something to it as well. And the little style guides at the start. I found the whole thing a really easy watch as as well. So it was, you know, a good, a good, good length program as as well. So each of them coming in around about around about that forty minute mark, I think, apart from the finale. So and and very little repetition as well, because again, you do find that sometimes on these programs, oh, you do a little bit of a recap of what happened last week and here's what happened earlier. But no, this was just here's this week's challenge, and then you get you get a little bit about each of the brewers going back home and how they're approaching doing the challenge and then you get to learn a little bit about them as the weeks go on as well 
and and then you bring them back in and then you give them this sort of secondary challenge that really gets them to to start thinking about what's what more than just what's in the glass so to speak about how they present it and all the rest of it and yeah i just think the format just works perfectly and i i for one i'd, I'd love to see another series of that I, I think you look like you was having a great time do, doing it and I, th- I think the combination of you and james just works so well together um i you know would, would happily pay the subscription just just to watch another another series of beer masters it yeah it just working with them and and the teams and everyone it just you couldn't ask for a better time you really couldn't and also all the contestants were so good and there was so much fun and so entertaining and um the fact that it was done in lockdown as well so I mean props to the director Kevin (laughs) for even pulling any of it off so um yeah I I would love to see a season two as well obviously and uh yeah I'm available if they call Well, during all of that, we've managed. I've definitely managed to finish my juicy pale ale. Any any final thoughts from you, Steve? I, I really enjoyed it. I found it uh, really really easy to drink. Uh, it was well balanced. The flavours worked really well together. There was uh, enough juiciness, but there was just a, a little bit of bitterness coming through on the finish for for me that just balanced it all out. But just just so easy to drink. And like I say, for what, 4.1%, that, mm. that's an absolute cracker. Mm. And also like super flavoursome as well. It's, it's so complex in its simplicity. Like there's so much going on with it, but you have to kind of check it twice to be like, oh, oh, it's 4.1. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I would have, I definitely would have, without knowing in advance, I would have been tempted to go higher in, in the ABV based on how it felt, how it smelled and just all of that flavour profile going on with it, you'd easily, I think you'd easily be mistaken thinking that's a 5% plus. I, I love a low ABV beer though, I really do. Honestly, it's just, I love, I love beers that are between three and a half and four and a half percent. I just think they're magical. You can drink so many of them and, and have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's what they're designed for, isn't it? So that you can actually exactly. enjoy a good time drink, drinking beer with, with, with good company. So the next beer, this is a West Coast IPA made with um, an amazing woman called Charlotte Cook. Um, It's called From Tiny Acorns to Mighty Oaks. And she is at Coalition Brewery um, in South London. So this is 5.8%. It's a bit stronger than the last one. It is just a really lovely Um, West Coast IPA really Um, the artwork in it is really cute the artwork is um, uh, it it shows a forest and it's being kind of tickled and there's like stars in the trees and it's it's really fun and it's been done by um, Nana Guldbeck who is the artist who did all of Lervig's work and she's just an absolutely phenomenal artist as well so what do you guys think? Yes yeah that's really delicious (laughs) It's ticks, wonderful, isn't it? Ticks yeah. a lot of boxes for for me. This one does. It's got that um, you, you get an instant bitterness from from the first sip that that, that continues all, all the way through. But there's there's this lovely dryness that underpins that as as well that just really brings it all together. And it's oh yeah, it's that does tick all of my boxes. I, I noticed this one's got the um, it was a hop that I wasn't very familiar with until 2019. Um, and your beer, one of the beers you shared with us last time, uh, Kashmir, 
Mm-hmm. So you've got a generous dry hop with cashmere and Simcoe, it says to finish. And there, again, there are similarities, I think, with that juicy pale ale. There's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of fruity notes going on here um, that come out. But again, it definitely sits in that West Coast IPA territory. Yeah. Um, and it, it, yeah, like Steve said, it's got a, a nice bit of balance to it. The bitterness at the end starts to come through, but it's not going to smack you around the chops kind of bitterness and dry you out too much. Um, yeah, it's 5.2%. It's probably a little bit too easy to drink, Jager, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it, how much, no, it's 5.8% this one. So it's, oh, it's not yeah, be it's careful, not that Martin. Yeah, be careful. It's not that easy. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, it's, been a, it's been a little while, actually, since I've made a, like, a really clear, bitter like like juicy but in a um kind of fruity slightly dry way um it's been a while since i've made something like that so it, it was a real pleasure when talking to charlotte and she was like oh should we do west coast ipa I was like you know what we should do a west coast ipa and um it's been it's been really really popular this beer and it sold really really well and yeah I, i'm just I'm, I'm really happy with it and, and really blown away by it really are you starting to see a, a shift back to consumers wanting more of the West Coast styles or is, is the consumer demand still around New England, juicy, hazy? Uh, I am finding that brewers want to make a more West Coast IPAs and brewers really like it. Is the consumer shifting? I'm not convinced. Um, but it's something that lots of brewers are talking about the market shifting, but I'm not sure that it is, is my honest answer. So you are saying that almost that brew, some brewers would like it to shift. And yeah. if they're proactive enough about it, then the market will start to follow in people's perception of the market. Not, yeah, but not always. Look at the Brute IPA. So that was a style that brewers loved, brewers loved to make but the public didn't necessarily follow. Um, hopefully the West Coast IPA is the next big thing. Um, I'm just not 100% convinced that it is, but I would love to see it. <laughs> I, 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 think it. The, I think the West Coast Mild is the next big thing, to be honest. <laughs> just trying to the trigger West me. Coast Mild. <laughs> just, just trying to get me to rage about mild again um I, i'm not i'm not so sure that i'm I, I, i'm sorry rage about mild you can't <laughs> explain that i i just I, I got a bit fed up with the uh the the, the mild hype that that happened uh, a good few weeks ago where it, it's all anybody was talking about and, and personally as as a style it does absolutely nothing for me so I, I just um, found myself getting more and more enraged every time someone mentions the word mild. It's completely I irrational. Fi- I think it's fighting talk that because I'm from Nottingham and uh, the mild in May is a real thing. So uh, you're looking to start a beef on this podcast, it looks like. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not looking to start a beef for anybody. I, I, I know what I like and I know what I don't like and I, I, don't, enjoy, I don't enjoy mild. I do enjoy West Coast IPA and, and, and I do... I don't necessarily need it to become the next big thing per se. I just uh, would like breweries to have it available every now and again, because I think we did go through a, from my point of view, went through a phase of all you could get was New England style. And 
it, it's great that we've got breweries exploring and going back to, to, to West Coast. And like, like you said, being something that brewers want to brew. Yeah. And personally, I'm going to be making more West Coast IPAs personally. Um, Love to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're a real pleasure to brew. And it, in order to make a beer like consistently hazy, like you have got to kind of go a lot against a lot of your brewing instincts, if if that makes sense. So it's a real pleasure to go back to back to the books and uh, and do things to get a nice, clear, crisp, bitter IPA. <laughs> yeah, well, we did. It's we had nice. a conversation recently with someone about that. That so much brewing history and how to brew has been built around making beers clear and bright. That, yeah. as you say, to make them hazy and hazy in the right way is actually sort of going against a lot of the things that you already know and you feel are the right way of doing things. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of the times you're fighting gravity and gravity loves to, to it loves to pull a beer bright. It really does. So um, in, in order to get that consistent, long-lasting haze, that, that's a bit of work. So to tell us a little bit, because I've noticed uh, that all of the names of the beers seem to have something to do with trees. So oh, um, this was very much on the on the artist. So she's, she's the artist from Lervig. So she's been working in beer for a long, long time. And when I told her about what we wanted to do um, for our International Women's Day brews, she really she really listened. And I I think the name of this beer, from Tiny Acorns to Mighty Oaks, really sums up the whole the whole kind of series um and yeah I, I think this this concept of kind of trees growing and like planting deep roots um into the industry I, I i i think it really was a fantastic um overview of what of what a lot of us have been trying to do for the last few years but um i think it was a nice there's a word i'm looking for <laughs> I'm trying to skirt around it because it's completely escaped me. But um, it, it's good symbolism. Uh, that's the word, uh, symbolism of, um, of 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 kind of what's going on in the industry. It's it's, it's yeah because I like, like I said I noticed immediately from the artwork that there was a, that there was a theme, and and then certainly in the names of three of them I I, I get. There is a fourth beer in, in this series as well, which we're not featuring tonight. But I know, Martin, you and I had, had it as a kind of warm-up beer to, to tonight's show. And that's the Locus Aminus uh, New England IPA. So, again, and that was the one that I couldn't work out what it what it meant without really Googling it. So this name actually means in Latin like a charmed resting place. And if you look at the can, you can see that there's a fox in the trees with a cup of tea. And it just symbolizes that kind of like the rest, if that makes sense, the rest that is required. That, 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 was, a, that was an interesting beer as well, because it was uh, New England IPA, but using all English hops as well. So some of the, the newer English hops, Harlequin, Godiva and Olicana. And I know, Martin, yeah. we, we were saying that it was we got quite a lot of tropical nose on it coming off of it. And 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 it was quite English in its in in its feel, wasn't it? In terms of the flavours that were coming through, definitely from my perspective. And I think 
probably one of the reasons why I quite liked it as well, because it was quite a balanced Nipah style. Um, felt quite light in its fruitiness, but it was still, it was all there. It just wasn't quite a, um, perhaps quite, not quite a tropical juice bomb for one of the better yeah. phrase. Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating working with a lot more English hops, especially looking at um, some of the results of the breeding programs that have been going on for um, a number of years now. So it's quite interesting to see the English hops as a response to a lot of the um, big American hops. It, it's quite interesting to see them coming through. Um, so hopefully I'll work with them again um, in different contexts as well, just to see how they perform. But um, it's it, it was a real pleasure working with them. I think that, as we say, that's that, that's made part of a series of four beers that, that you did for International Women's Day, all, all collabs with prominent women in, in the, the, the beer industry as well. We've got one more to come on to, and, and obviously we'll speak about that when we get to it. But certainly, Jager, I've, I, I've noticed that that's, that's something that you've always kind of been a bit of a leader on is, is is doing these collabs for international women's day I, I i know lots of breweries do them now but going back a few years i always remember pictures of you and what seemed like hundreds of women in your your, your brewery brewing brewing beers that's that's it's obviously something that you're very very committed to doing every year when when the day rolls around it's like christmas the best day ever i just i just i love everything about it it's a day when, and I always say the whole purpose of it is to promote and educate. And I always have that in the back of my mind to promote women and educate women in the beer industry. So everything we do is with that kind of as our mantra. So there's always like some sort of educational kind of section to it, as well as just like getting pictures everywhere out in the world, just like saying that this is what we're doing, this is what we're doing. And yeah, best day ever. We all get to hang out. Like there's so many people that come now. We all get to brew together, make a good beer. This year there was workshops and classes. We did off flavor training. We did um, a workshop called Know Your Hops. Um, all the while, all while brewing a live beer, by the way. And and then afterwards we just get to have a drink. And it's just yeah, it's like Christmas. It's literally my favorite day of the year. But above all. Again, the product in the glass, the product we're drinking here now. So that juicy pale ale we had, the West Coast IPA. So it's just going to show just how much value there is. And that's, you know, not just the beer industry, but across all industries. It just ticks every single box for me. It's working really well as beer and I'm, I'm loving this. Before I absolutely drain this glass, let's get on to opinions and let's get on to this week's question. Opinions, opinions, opinions. Opinions, opinions. Which is, are you going to the pub as much as you were pre-pandemic? So we had 639 votes. 51.5% of people said yes. 48.5% of people said no. So you could hardly split the, the, the yes, no vote on this. Let's go through some of the comments and then we can have a bit of a discussion, especially from Jager's point of view in terms of running a brewery and running multiple venues as well as to whether you're seeing more. In fact, let's do that now, because I've already introduced it. Jager, are, are, you <laughs> seeing as, uh, are you seeing people coming back to the pub or to the taproom in the numbers that they were pre-pandemic yet? 
No. I think it's a really straightforward answer, no. <laughs> and is, is that is that because do you think people are still wary? Do you think there are other contributing factors? Like, you know, there's obviously we've got this huge hike in the cost of living at the moment. Do you think people are thinking more about where they're spending their, their, their penny? Is, is there anything that, that you can, any one thing that you can attribute to it? Or, or do you think it's just a combination of everything? I think it's I think it's really tricky to summarize because we've not had a long period of time without kind of interrupted trade if if that makes sense that like we are only now in 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 April and trade was massively interrupted at Christmas like January time is generally um normally quite a a lull for pubs anyway um so it's 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 really tricky to kind of get the to get the data so, so so to speak it's been very cold in the last few weeks like like un- uncharacteristically cold um so i i would like to see what this what this what the bank holiday does and what summer does really before forming an opinion that i would kind of hold, hold my hat on to be honest but i think the cost of living crisis is 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 going to start if it hasn't already having a really really big effect um on trade and obviously we don't want it to be that way because i'm not sure whether pubs can cope with um a third uh, a third summer um down um I, I think it's really a really tough time for hospitality so, so what you're saying is that essentially you need that full year's trading to to be able to understand what your market looks like now but but yeah also at the same time like you say the cost of living in increase you know we all know that when when times get tough and we have to tighten the financial belt a little bit the first things to go are the luxuries and and, and all the, the the nice to do's and obviously going out having a day out visiting pubs and tap rooms has not not just the expense of drinking the beer and enjoying the beer but you've you've got food and travel and there's there's so much else associated with a, a day or a night out isn't there yeah absolutely and um i i am very much hoping that uh, the pub gets back to what it was pre-pandemic um but i i, I think we're in in a different environment um cask beer is is another one that is um in a really tr- tricky situation compared to where, to where it was. Um, I, I think it's tough. I think it's tough out there. And I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer. I really don't. But um, uh, I'm trying to answer the question honestly. And obviously, I've, I've been out a lot, like looking in a lot of pubs. And yes, some pubs are, are busier. And the difference is between kind of central pubs, um, so high street pubs versus kind of pubs that are kind of a, li- a little bit, um, more off the beaten track is, I think, is really interesting as well. Um, but are people going back to city pubs? I don't know. Martin can answer that question. I'll I'll, I'll keep my powder dry for now. Okay. okay. <laughs> let's let's take some of the views in from some of the listeners because I think that may cover off some of that and then and then we can take our opinion on this at the end so first up from Mr Mustard no because the people I used to go to the pub with don't go as much anymore I think it's going to take some time to readjust Uh, Lenny Gert at Leanne Gert pandemic stuff aside it just feels really loud at the pub 
I've enjoyed going when we have, but I like to give the venues and times a bit more thought than usual. I also tend to stay in one place when I've got a good spot. Gone are the pub call days, I think. And then from Julia Chandler at Julia C100, not commuting makes a difference for me. From Craig Garvey, mix of working from home and half the places I liked have gone cashless. So the desire to head into town has just vanished. Owen Walsh, I've just fallen out of the habit of going out for a beer. My social muscles have atrophied and I've left wondering how I used to fit it all in before times. From Tom Slater at Tom Slater 28. No, I'm now predominantly working from home and have a new baby. And that means that swift halves and or meeting people after work aren't a thing anymore. Pub visits are now contractually agreed and militarily organised. <laughs> Tom wasn't the only person that said they had had a baby. There are a lot of lockdown babies that we had on as a response to this poll, uh, now being the reason why people can't go to the pub anymore, because they've suddenly got these new parental duties. Uh, from Drinking Craft at Hoppy Tweets, can't afford it, to be honest. And, and that was, again, another one that was mentioned a number of times. From Cask Theology. Yes, but that's because I work there. But this year I've noticed that trade is slowly sneaking back to 2019 levels. So I think a lot of folks are coming back to the pub. And from Jim Ragley, we go less. We used to be out four nights a week pre-pandemic and we'd have a crawl across a few pubs each time. Now we are probably going one, one to two times a week and the balance of our lifestyle has changed for the better. Those days we don't pub, we run more and enjoy our time or drinking at home. From Sophie at Sobeer Blogger, this was difficult to answer as I think my habits have changed. Whilst I still nip to my local, it's probably not as much as I was before lockdown. On the other hand, I am now making a conscious effort to visit other places to show wider support for pubs, bars and taprooms. From Mark Shirley at RF Cider, I still go as often as I can. Drinking at home has never been that attractive to me. Totally forgettable, in fact. I find it. I find I rarely ever regret going to the pub. It almost always results in a memorable experience. I want a night oh, out with. That. Oh, yeah, I want a night out with Mark. <laughs> I love that. From Wayne, the Irish beer snob. Probably on balance, visiting the local a lot more than pre-pandemic. Trips into Dublin are a lot less though. And finally, from Matt Curtis. More, I reckon. The mental health boost I get from nipping out for a pint, whether alone or with pals, is tangible. Helps me process stuff and keep going. There's quite a lot to unpick in, in there. And I think the one thing that comes through for me in, in, in quite a lot of those comments is it's, it's been a changing of habits. So, so those people that are even now working from home and aren't necessarily nipping into the pub for a swift one on the way home or people's lifestyles have changed in terms of they're taking more exercise or that they've now got a, a, a baby as, as a result. And I, I think there's, there's a combination of things there that are changing people's habits really, isn't it? Definitely. Um, I, I think you're right though. There is quite, a, there was quite a lot of different reasons for the yes or no answers. Um, you know, the, the work from home, uh, I think we sort of take the, the baby aspect to one side because I think pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, during pandemic, your life changes when you have a kid anyway. So, you know, that can always be put to one side. But people have made different decisions. I thought Owen's one was really interesting. How did I fit it all in before? People have filled their times in different ways as well, whether that be working from home, 
doing different things with the family or the fact that we have got a world of entertainment potentially at our fingertips at home. We've got used to ordering at home food and drink. So it's not just, you know, one or the other. And you can get some excellent takeaway meals. You know that it's going to be a bit cheaper ordering in food and drink. So I think people's habits have definitely changed, whether that be out of choice or like with myself, Steve, I work from home and I go to the office. So to reference back to what Jager said before, based on me going out in the city, then city pubs are going to struggle a little bit because I'm only in the city twice a week. Yeah, but and... you're not responsible for all of the city pubs income, are you, mate? <laughs> no, because, definitely not. That, that, that would be quite a bold statement if you were making <laughs> no, but, that at this point. But <laughs> extrapolate me and multiply it, so to speak. My, my, 50%. My... 50%. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Pelt Trader might be taking a hit when I'm not around. The, um, but, you know, a lot of companies in the city, and we're a relatively small one in, in city terms of having hundreds of people rather than thousands of people, and so many of those organisations have gone to a hybrid way of working. So you've automatically reduced just the footfall in the city. Um, and those Wednesday and Thursday evenings and, and, and Fridays, or Thursday was becoming a bit of a busy one and is now in the square mile, definitely the busiest of the weekday evenings because rather than people thinking, all right, I've got to come in the next day, all right, I'll do the bacon sandwich kind of thing. They're thinking, well, I don't have to do the commute. So I can have a bit of a large one on the Thursday night and do the work from home on the Friday. So, you know, Thursday nights in the city, yes. But I don't see how you can survive literally on one Christmas Eve per week for those places with the amount their rent must be. So yeah. I reckon it's really tough for them to better balance that out. So I'm definitely do- I'm definitely doing it less. And if I'm working from home, if I unless I've got plans, I'm probably not going to change from my slightly more casual look to maybe going out just to go to the local. Whereas if I've got something planned, I will. So I'm not going past anywhere. I'm not walking to and from stations in London or locally. So for me, I am probably doing going out less. So it's definitely a lesson. But I, I was fascinated by some of the, the comments and some of the tangible benefits that people say they get from going to the pub. And yeah, you know, Mark, Mark Shirley's right. Um, do you ever really regret going to the pub? It's probably a really good way of putting it. I don't know. There's some regrets sometimes. <laughs> But you can't always remember them, Steve. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly that. You know, you know what we need? We need some, like, an unrestrained, non-pandemic, non-restricted takings on a pub, a sport event. We need, like, a World Cup or, like, a Euros or something, but just not in pandemic times. That's what we need, I think. Yeah, and speaking of that, I mean, obviously the World Cup this year is going to be during winter time for the pub, you know, for us over here and for the, you know, the pubs in the UK. And what you don't want is when you do have that big sporting event, unless, uh, you know, fingers crossed England aren't doing too badly, but you get a prolonged run in the competition and then there are any issues that are then raised because that must be such a good, that's such a feel-good factor and such a money spinner. But that'd mm. be a real shame if, you know, hospitality can't get behind that yeah that, that's going to be really different though isn't it because it's in the winter 
So, so you're not necessarily going to have the people spilling out onto the pavement like you would be. And, you know, I don't want a pint thrown over me in the winter. That's, that's going to be quite cold. It's, it's, isn't it? It's, it, it's, it's really weird because it's, it's, it's the first time we've ever had this with the World Cup in particular, that it's, it's out of season for the UK. But, I mean, it's a valid point. But also what it probably does mean is that you won't have fan zones outdoors. So in theory, again, there's going to be more people potentially going to the pubs. Well, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure. That's true. I'm, I'm sure true. the big sponsors will want their fan zones. Yeah, I mean, it would be a shame if that didn't happen. But you know, again, I would say that I do love going to the pub. And there was a couple of things I missed recently because I wasn't well. But the we spoke about it on the last show, Steve. The elusive tap takeover. I would have loved to have been there for that in the Sutton Arms. In London, that would have been the ideal event for me to go to at the end of a working day. One of my favourite things is just the spontaneous drink. I just love it. So if, if you're out somewhere and someone just goes pint and you, you look at them and they go pint and then you just go and have a pint together. It's not planned. It's a real shame if, um, if we end up losing some of that. And I think for me, I've definitely, my spontaneous pints is definitely reduced. Mm. just because I'm not in the city every day. So there was usually going to be an opportunity for a spontaneous pint because of the whole wealth of places, even just between me and the, and the station. But then there are some major benefits as well to um, to all this working from home. Like like people have managed to save a lot of, of money comparatively to, to, to going out before. People's work-life balance is, is better. So I don't think it's all doom and gloom. While we've been discussing that, I have uh, unfortunately drained the West Coast IPA. Uh, and I say unfortunately only because it's finished and I was enjoying it so much, not unfortunately because I didn't enjoy it. That is a lovely beer. Uh, it's, it, it's it, That is literally everything I want in a beer, uh, an ABV that could mean I could have a couple of those before I began to feel it as as well. I, th- I think sometimes we've got a little bit carried away with beers being up in the late sixes, early sevens, especially when they're in the big four, 40 mil cans. But that just, it's, it's, it's so good. Thank, thank you so much for, for brewing that beer. And thank you so much for sending it to us to, to enjoy on the show as well. That is really, really tasty. That's um, just, just to remind our listeners, it's called From Tiny Acorns to Mighty Oaks. And it's a 5.8% West Coast IPA with Coalition Brewing. Lovely stuff. Well, let's, let's move on to the next one. All right. So this is um, an American brown ale. And I wanted to make an American brown ale because... What's the last time you had an American brown ale? It's been so long since I've had one. So I thought, I'm going to make one. Um, so this one's called Mycelium Networks. It is a collaboration with Sophie Durand, um, who is the amazing head brewer over at Burnt Mill Brewery. Um, we made it with a really, really careful balance of lager, chocolate, Vienna, and some medium crystal. And there's lots of hops in this. So uh, Cascade, a bit of Columbus and Mosaic, Enigma, Cryo Simcoe, but all very carefully balanced. Um, and it's 5.2%. I'm going to crack it open. 
I'm really looking forward to this one. And I know I know there are a couple of our listeners that are huge fans of an American brown owl as, as well. So they would be thrilled to hear you say how excited you were to brew this as well. I'm going to dive in. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, cheers, guys. Hobby brown owl. Yeah. Again, that's ticking a lot of boxes. <laughs> I just, I, I love it. I think it's gorgeous. I think it's gorgeous. I really do. Uh, so, what are your thoughts? It's not my thoughts that's important. It's yours. I'm, I'm, I'm actually getting a one of the really dominant flavors in there is chocolate. For, yeah, for absolutely. Me. Yeah, that that comes through, and then there's a little bit of nuttiness, and and then there's quite a nice earthy bitterness at the finish. The in, the interplay with the hops is so interesting between that kind of like chocolatey and the kind of citrusy from the hops. It's, I think it's a, a fascinating beer. It, oh, it it works so well together. It really balances out. Yeah, I I, I would agree. I think there's also a little bit of um, just a, like almost a smidgen of like coffee notes as well, like roast and roasted notes on the when you first open it, and then yeah, it's lovely fruit flavors start to come through and stuff, but incredibly well balanced. Incredibly well balanced. I mean, you know, I mean, burnt meal is not a bad starting point anyway, is it, as well? I mean, churn out some amazing beers. Is, is it a case, again, of people simply don't buy this style of beer when, when you make it, at the, that the demand isn't there for you to reproduce this over and over again? Oh, um, I have to be really cautious with styles like these. So um, I only try to have in... In terms of all the beers we have going on, so we release quite a few every month, but I always try and have maximum one or two a little bit um, uh, that's not a hoppy pale ale, essentially, <laughs> if that makes sense, um, or a sour. So we can't have too many of these in because they don't sell as quick. Um <laughs> as the kind of light pale hoppy stuff or 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 even sour stuff um but this one is sold really really well really really pleased with how it tastes um it's always always a pleasure working with sophie she's the initiator of the international uh, women's collaboration brew day so it was all her idea and back when i brewed the first one in uh, back when she brewed the first one it was like i think it was 2013 i think it was and i was there and I showed up in a in in a in a mini skirt to help brew this beer, and um, Sophie is such a lovely lady that she didn't tell me where to where to go when I was in this skirt. She was just politely like, "Hmm, Jago, okay, interesting, <laughs> interesting what you're wearing." <laughs> and to this day, she takes the piss out of me for it, but in a very polite, professional way. Um, so absolutely love love Sophie. It's absolutely. Uh, and they're great brewers, aren't they, over at Burnt Mill? And I know they were saying they don't have the opportunity to do lots of, like, stuff like this, like dark stuff. Um, so if you can do it, if you can't do it on a collab, when can you? No, true. So, you know, just thinking about your pub, mm. could, could this be a cast version? And would it Ooh. sell? Ooh, um Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, yes, I think it would work flavor-wise as the cask version, 100%. Um, in our pub, yes, I think it would sell. Um, I, I hadn't thought about putting it into cask, but you've uh, you, you've got the cogs turning now. <laughs> well, if you do do it, let us know, please. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, because, I, that, that, you know, I think that's also one of the things, isn't it? There are certain 
style to veer that people more associate with cast dispense because on on keg you're really you're you're often not going to see this kind of style in a crafty yeah. type of venue but in a cask led pub or a pub which gives it sort of equal billing i can perfectly see this sitting there yeah it, it's kind of an odd style though so because an american brown is from what i view an american brown to be like it's quite a hop forward so it's it, it's quite um I feel like it straddles both lines. Um, but I do think, but those are sometimes some of the best beers. Like think of like the Porter or the Stout, amazing in keg and amazing in cask. Um, you, you don't have to choose one or the other. So yeah, this actually would be pretty good on cask. But now it's in keg and can. So if anyone wants to purchase it, you know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, there will be links in the show notes to where people can buy this and all of the beers that, that, that we've enjoyed this evening. That's That's for sure. Now, obviously, going forward, we are hopeful there's going to be a Beer Masters Season 2 so so that we can see you enjoying more beers and put in the occasional face that suggests that beer isn't great, which slipped out every now and again. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No matter how much you try to hide it, you you can tell. Um, (laughs) in In addition to that... What's uh what what's next for Wildcard? Obviously, you've just uh you, you've just opened a pub. You've, you've you've got the new tap room. What are you hoping to do in 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 the next 12, 18 months? Oh, we've got some really exciting stuff coming up. I'm I'm going to bring you a little bit closer than the next eighteen months. In the next two months or so. So all of our barrel aged uh, and sour and lambics and gerses have now come up to fruition. So they've all been in bottle for the last um, the last fair number of months. So we're going to be releasing all of those. And they are fantastic, if I say so myself. So I'm really, really excited for everyone to taste those. Um, yeah, so it's, 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 all about, it's all about barrels and it's all about sour for us in the next few months. And it's been something we've been working on for a really, really long time. Um, yeah, and I'm very excited for everyone to try it. Any tap room events around these the launches and stuff? Uh, yes, yes, there will be. Um, there will be. So we're relaunching um, the barrel store to go along with this as well. Um, and I, I've got lots and lots of beers. Um, and it's having a, a, a redo decoration wise, and I've got lots of beers in barrels that are going um, that are ending up back there, which is really great. So there will be an event coming soon. Um, I'm also releasing a book on the subject, which is really fun, um, like a homebrew book, which is also coming out on the 19th of May. Um, so there's going to be lots of events around that as well, um, around the UK and Spain and Finland, <laughs> which is fun. Random. Potential, <laughs> yeah. potential contestants for season two of Beer Masters. So uh, maybe, maybe, you never know. I mean, that's, that does sound really exciting. Like you say, this is going to be the culmination of quite a lot of time spent nurturing these beers to this point, isn't it? I feel like it's a culmination of a lifetime's work, yeah, for sure. So, um, so I'm really excited for everyone to try it. Hopefully next time I'm on your show, if you invite me back, <laughs> we'll be drinking We'll be drinking some really lovely um, uh, gers, gerses and lambics. 
I'm up for that, Steve. What about you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not a fan of them, I'm, if I'm honest. They, they, don't, they don't sit well with me, but I'm sure our listeners would love to hear me uh, pulling my sourest sour face. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Outside of the brewery, have, have you got anything com- coming up, Jager, in, in, in terms of what you might be up to, to next? Obviously, we, we've spoken in depth about beer masters. You, you present the, the, the BBC Food Programme as, as well. Have you, got, have you got any other projects coming up that we need to look out for? Um, have, I, have I not done enough? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Seems like um, you'd like to keep yourself busy. Yeah, I'm just trying to think what's going on. I'm trying to think what's going on. Um, uh, uh, my book comes out in two months. That's the bit. That's the that's the big news. A month and a half, um, and that's pretty much about it. Um, I've always got my finger in many pies, but um, there's this thing that immediately happening which is good so i'm going to go on holiday i'm going to take a little break in terms of what the brewery is focusing on we're in a really good habit of releasing um five special beers a month um we have the beer club so everyone buys the beer uh on a kind of a monthly basis and they get our latest releases we're in a really good habit of doing that and we're making the core, which tastes really great. We've got them at the venues, got them all over London, got them all over the UK. Just kind of more of the same is what we're kind of after. Plus our cask beer and our barrel stuff. So um, the brewery is 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 popping in a good way. Well, I mean that's really excellent news, and um, I actually need to get I need to get up to your pub to try the cask beers. Then please, please, I would love you to come. So we've done a bitter and a pale. Um, and we've done the bra- the branding very much like um like a fag packet, like what a Marlboro Red. Okay. No, st- yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it's it's yeah, it's a uh, oh. you might you might have seen it around. So I've, I've, I've seen your branding in in, in, in the, the Vic, Vic in Colchester. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's um, I'm really really pleased with it. It's it's I love I love love making cask. Um, like I started out making cask in the beginning. And I feel like kind of come full circle and you and you end up doing it again. Isn't it lovely, Casper? She's the best thing ever. So Yeah, we didn't really touch on that because like you say, I mean, there's been lots of conversations about that. And I know there was a bit of a debate at the CBRX recently about saving cask beer. Um mm. and that is one of my big things. If I go to the pub, generally I would go to a pub which has cask beer because that's the one thing I can't replicate at home whereas mm. i know you can't replicate atmosphere so taking that aside keg beer yeah you get a fairly good representation of it in the can or the bottle but cask beer there isn't any other way to represent to then all present it then hand pulled personal preference sparkler or non-sparkler just to cover everyone <laughs> um and you know but it is a hand pulled pint of cask beer i think is that really one of those really unique selling points about a pub yeah and it's it's so unique and it doesn't get said enough sometimes about that's one of the big bits about the pub and i think we appreciate appreciate it in the uk i mean when you go when, when you go around the world um and you visit other breweries like all any brewer wants to talk to you about is cask beer 
Um, it's something that's so unique. It is a British institution. And I do think you're correct in that. I, I do think sometimes it gets the, the short end of the stick sometimes and it's not appreciated um, enough. Yeah, it's very, very unique. And isn't it incredible? I think it's great. I think yeah. I think lockdown made me appreciate Caspian more. Really? Yeah, I, I think I think I think prior to lockdown, we always used to joke that Martin was the king of cask, and and I would always go for keg. Now, my my first pint in any pub I visit, if if they're serving it, is is a good pint of cask beer, because mm. that's that's the only thing that sometimes that's the only thing that will quench the thirst. Mm. And it's sessionable. Yeah, that was the, you know that's one of the whole things around it. So. You know, that is one of the reasons when I do go out and I and I have an influence on destination, I will try to go to a a cask forward pub, if at all possible, um, allowing for everyone else's taste as well. But it doesn't have to have a wide range. Just a couple. Well kept. Give me a good bitter. That's that's what I'm after these days. I'm just like, I, I want a good bitter and a few <laughs> pints of it. Honestly, that that's what I was craving in lockdown. That for me was the beer in lockdown I was craving. It was like a 4% bitter. That's all I want to drink because it was so hard to get hold of. Yeah. Like and, gold dust. Yeah. You know, and even if you could, you know, some of those pubs which were putting them into two pint jugs, plastic jugs, still not the same. No, it's not the same because it needs a, it needs a light sparkle. Like it's ever so, ever so light, and by by the time it goes in a jug for a little while, it's pretty flat. It's the equivalent of gravity pour, isn't it? Yeah, the, well, yeah. The, there is. Yeah. By the time you get it home, <laughs> it is. It is like going is a beer festival pour by that point, or gravity pour. <laughs> That's a discussion for. That's a whole different day. show, isn't That's, it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not we're not going to get into that at the end of this show. It's it's been fantastic having you on with us again, Jager. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, really enjoyed listening to your experiences of beer masters because having having been a viewer and um, watched it, and now hearing your your stories from the the, the inside, I I really want another season of it. So, so so let's hope they that they renew that for a second season. Thank you so much for sending us the beers to to enjoy. They've all been delicious. Uh, the West Coast was the real highlight for me, but this American Brown is is also ticking a lot of boxes. Well, yeah, I, I, as, I, as well. It's a bit of a close run thing for me between. Yeah, I mean the first beer I really enjoyed. Don't get me wrong, but the West Coast IPA and the American Brown it's a bit it's a bit tight on that one at the moment. Yeah, these <laughs> the, these last two have been cracking. So we will put links in the show notes to where people can find these beers. Martin, what's coming up on the next show? Well, I think we've actually got a little bit of a break between recording, Steve, and I think the next one will be us just having a big catch up about what we've been up to yep that's that that's the plan uh we've got a couple of weeks off over easter so we will catch up at the end of the month once again jager thank you so much for joining us it's been a pleasure to have you on again and we do look forward to having you on probably again in about two and a half years on, on this cycle <laughs> that we we seem to be on uh, and thank you to all of our listeners for joining us once again and we'll look forward to sharing more opinions with you soon cheers 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 Nights like this lead to love like